2 tonight. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 7. And we're going to read verses 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11 tonight. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true uh, in him and in you. Because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother, and abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes." Now, we're looking at these verses tonight, these five verses that we have selected in preaching through this epistle. And the theme of these five verses is love. That is, even though it's only mentioned, the word loveth is mentioned in verse number 10, but we know that is the common theme of these verses. This is not just any kind of love, uh, but I need you to tune in with me. This is Christian love. It is easy to talk about Christian love but it is even more difficult to practice it. We are born into God's family at the moment of conversion. He is our Father, and the people of God are our brothers and sisters in Christ. One writer said there is one, this is one reason why God has established the local church, the fellowship of believers. You cannot be a Christian alone. A person cannot live a complete and developed Christian life if he is not in fellowship with God's people. Now, I don't know if you caught that statement or not. You will not be able to live a full and complete Christian life if you are not in fellowship with the church, the people of God. I've never, I have never, 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 never understood people uh, that don't want to fellowship with church folks. Amen. I mean, I, I understand I'm an outgoing person. I have an outgoing personality. and I mean, I, I can talk to a stump uh, if it'll sit still long enough. And, uh, I mean, I do it every Sunday, all right? Uh, but I, I, I'm just an outgoing personality talking to people. I understand not everybody is geared that way. Uh, but there's something wrong uh, when you never want to have fellowship with anybody down at the church. Well, I'm tired. I don't want to hear that. Join the club. Everybody's tired. Well, I'm, I just don't like people. I'm a pastor. I don't get to use that excuse, so you don't get to use that excuse as a congregation. All right? I mean, that's just, I'm going to tell you something tonight. There is something about being with the people of God. You know, the Word of God pictures us as sheep in the Bible. And sheep are very sociable animals. They need to be around other sheep. All right? And you need that tonight. You need the fellowship. You need to be around other believers and not just the three that you like. Amen. Are you hearing me tonight? Amen. We need that Christian brotherhood and fellowship tonight. We need that. And I want to preach out of these verses on a command to love. A command to love or, or that, that Christian love that we are supposed to have. Now, I'm going to be honest with you tonight. Y'all women, y'all checked in women tonight. This sermon and these scriptures are difficult for me. And they're going to be difficult for me to preach tonight. Here's why. I love God, but some of His children get on my nerves. 
Yeah, I, we, have, we have a witness in the house tonight. Somebody said, oh, I just love everybody and everything. You is a liar. Amen. I mean, come on. How many that you just got somebody, they get on your nerves, hold your hand up. How many of you are sitting next to that person that gets on your nerves, hold your hand up? All right. Amen. And, uh, I, yeah, Charles, you ain't sitting next to nobody. <laughs> He's just, everybody gets on. He says, this whole crowd gets on my nerves. All right. He'd be Mormon if he could ride a bicycle, but that, he can't ride a bicycle. That's how he ended up here. Amen. But uh, we just, we just, oh, we just, we, it, it's just part of it. I mean, I love God's people. But, man, he's got some goofy kids sometimes. Talk to me. I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, I love my mom and dad, but they got, uh, they have. There's three of us. There's me, and then, uh, then there's the other two. Amen. And uh, somebody said, "Y'all don't look alike." I said, "Yeah. If you look inside the, uh, our skulls, we don't look alike either. I have a brain, and theirs are empty. All right. But I mean, that's just that's just the truth. And, and so I, I love God's people. I love God, God. But sometimes I have trouble with His people. Come on now. Anybody else got got something with that? Uh, it, it's it's amazing how we all struggle with this, and I have found the scriptures that I have the most trouble studying, and the scriptures I have the most difficult time preaching, are the one, I ain't got no problem preaching them that cut you. <laughs> Talk to me now, but that one that gets us both coming and going, I'd like to skip those. But we ain't going to because I'm a verse-by-verse verse preacher as much as it's going to kill me tonight. Now, some of y'all are thinking, what kind of a pastor do we have? He is admitting there is people in God's family that he don't like. Yes, that is what I'm admitting. And if you say that you, don't, you are a liar and the truth is not in you, we're going to go ahead and give the invitation now. Ain't there just some people that get on your nerves? They're just like, they're like fingers on a chalkboard. They drive you nuts. Amen. We're going to get honest tonight or we're going to go eat pizza early. One of the two things, all right? Y'all ain't making me sit up here and preach like I'm the egg, only egg-sucking dog in the building, all right? We all got this problem. In fact, let's just all say the name of the... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that'd get us going really good, amen? Some of y'all, you can say, well, I can't narrow it down to one preacher. I've just got so many. So this, I wonder, I wonder if the church that John's writing to, I guess they had the same issues. So see, it's nothing new. You know why we have issues one with another? Because we're made of this flesh. And we have pride. And we have selfish ambitions and selfish things. And so tonight, we ought to all be in the altar. Now, I'm not trying to work an altar call now. But these verses tonight, I believe all of us are going to need some help with. All right? Let's look at them together. Number one, in verse number seven, there is an old commandment. An old commandment. Brethren... I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. What is this old commandment? Four things about it if you're taking notes. It was a scriptural commandment. He said, this is the word which you have heard from the beginning. This command that John is referring to is found in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, where the Lord said, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. And then in the book of James, chapter 5, verse 9, he says, Grudge not against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. And so there are two verses right there. Now, y'all with me? There are two verses right there that teaches us that it is a sin to have a grudge. 
Come on now. I, I didn't write it. I just read it. It is a sin to have a grudge. Now, somebody said, well, I don't have a grudge. Well, let's define the word grudge. A persistent feeling of ill will or resentment resulting from a past insult or injury. Somebody done you wrong. Somebody didn't do you right and you're holding a grudge against them and they're saved. And they're a part of the body of Christ. And the Word of God says it is a sin for you to hold a grudge against that person. Well, you don't know what you did. John didn't say anything about what they did. John didn't say anything about who was right and who was wrong and what happened. He said, it is a, listen to me tonight, you cannot help how people act, but you can help how you react. In fact, we should not react, we should respond. Brother Darrell Hayes told us that years ago, when you react, that means you are acting just like they did. You are reacting in defense instead of responding. How do you do that? Well, here's what Jesus said in Luke 17, 1. It is impossible that offenses will come. They are going to happen. Why? Because we are people. We have flesh. We have egos. We have pride. We have ambitions. We have opinions. All of y'all are wrong, and mine's the only one that's right. That's why we all feel, don't we? We always pick it at the table tonight for service, but we all feel like our opinion is right and everybody else's is wrong. Well, William, thank you for being honest in the building tonight, all these bunch of liars. How many think your opinion is the only one that's right? Hold your hand up. If you didn't believe that, you wouldn't give your opinion. Praise God, me and William's going to have to get a tent and have revival just for me and him, all right? We're going to go out. We're going to start a new church, Safer Harbor Baptist Church, amen? We're safer. You got away from all them people that are lying and say, I don't know, it's all good and perfect. Yeah, well, put your halo down. You're blocking the person behind you. They can't see, okay? I'm talking about it is a sin to have a grudge. Here's what you say. It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. You're going to have offenses, but you better not be the offender is what Jesus is saying. Things are going to happen that's going to cause us to be tempted to become bitter, unforgiving, holding a grudge. But you must not allow bitterness and unforgiveness to hinder your love for the people of God. Paul repeats this in Romans 13. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth one another hath fulfilled the law. When you love your brother or sister in Christ, according to Romans 13, you are fulfilling the law. It is, a, it is a scriptural command. Secondly, it was a salvation command. He said the old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. This little phrase from the beginning does not only refer back to the law of Moses, but John will use this little phrase in his epistle to talk about the beginning of your conversion. When you first got saved, 1 John 3.11, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. It is not just enough that the Bible teaches us this truth about love, but also if we are saved, we ought to have a love. It ought not just be because the Bible says I have to but there ought to be something in your heart to love the people of God here's what John 13 says Jesus told his disciples a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you that ye also love one another by this shall all men know you're my disciples if you have love one to another now let's get down where the rubber meets the road there are some people in church, somebody in, across the pew can do something, just makes them mad, 
tears their nerves all to pieces. Especially you talking about me. I'm talking about everybody in this building because it's all of us. Tear their nerves all to pieces. They get mad and hold a grudge. But they have a family member. Blood do something goofy. Well, that's family and that's different. Now, hang on. Now, hang on now. If, if you're, if you're going to make an exception for blood, then are you saying you're not a part of the family of God? So you think more are flesh and blood than you do the family of God. Ain't amazing how we make exceptions for flesh and blood, but we won't make exceptions for the body of Christ? That is called hypocrisy. Well, they don't know no better. That, that's just flesh and blood. That's different. No, that ain't what John said. John said this is a, this is a command you've known from the beginning. It was, a, it was a scriptural command, salvation's command. It is a spiritual command. In our mindset, we say, well, what that person did, I could never love that person. Well, you're exactly right. You could never. But if you're saved, the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. And if you're filled with the Spirit, you know what the first, first thing in the fruit of the Spirit is? Help me. Love. That's the first thing Paul mentions. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. So the only way you can love your brother and sister in Christ, right, is to be filled with the Spirit. Well, I ain't going to forgive them. You know what you just told me? You are not filled with the Spirit. Now, I'm going to deal with some things about love here in a minute and define what love is, but I'm trying to knock all of our defenses down so we can get a little help here tonight. It is a, I'm going to tell you what will tear this church up in a New York minute, a tornado. But the other thing that will mess this church up in a New York minute is people getting grudges and getting unforgiveness against one another. And well, I ain't talking to them, I ain't talking to them. What are you, nine? Ser sorry, you're ten now, Daxon. Daxon, why are you all saying nine? What are you, ten? I'm nine? I mean, are we kids at the playground? You want to tear my nerves up? You want to tear my nerves up real bad? Get people crossways and running their mouth and talking and all that stuff. I'd say I'd rather somebody I'd rather somebody take graffiti and write on the walls of the church and do that. At least you can paint over it. Amen. Because you ain't going to get too bad to lay their guns down for nothing because they're both right. Come on now, talk to me. I are one so I can talk about you, okay? I'm just telling you tonight, it is a spiritual command. It takes spiritual people to have a church. It is good and pleasant when brethren dwell together in unity and we're not going to have unity unless we love one another. And here's what John said, just don't love in word, but love in deed also. Show them that you love them. It's a, it's a, a scriptural command. It is a salvation command, a spiritual command. But let me say this tonight about this old commandment. It's a simple command. He's not asking that much. You know what? Here, you know, all those laws. Y'all women tonight, is anybody else ready to get down the altar like I am? 613 laws of Moses. And Jesus is on the earth preaching, and that lawyer comes in and says, What's the greatest commandment? Jesus, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I can put all those 613 commandments down to two. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. He said, If you'll do those two things, you won't have to worry about the other stuff. You remember the Ten Commandments? It wasn't five and five. I'm sorry, Charleston Heston. It wasn't five and five. It was six and five. Six or six and four, excuse me. That's 11. The 11th commandment is thou shalt not make thy wife mad. Okay. Um, that was the one most forgot about, all right? Uh, six, it, was, it was six and four. Six dealt with your relationship with God. Four dealt with your relationship with man. He said, if you'll love God and love your neighbor right, you won't have no problem with that law. Example, if you love your neighbor, you ain't going to commit adultery. 
If you love your neighbor, you ain't going to kill him. That helps. By the way, if you love God, you're not going to kill somebody either. And So he simplified it. It's not that hard. Two commandments. Adam and Eve couldn't even keep one, though. Ain't that amazing? It's a simple command. Love. I, I, now, and, and I'm, I'm trying to stay in my notes. i got so much material. If I don't preach this in order, then it won't make sense. It may not be making sense now, but like David Epps said, I'm too far in now to quit, okay? But the command the Lord's given us is that we show... We, we, this command, the love, is not given... We shouldn't just love people because we have to, because the Bible says to, but all because we love the Lord. If you love me, keep my commandments, Jesus said. I read this illustration. Parents should, must care for their children according to the law. That is a law of the land, right? Child neglect is a very serious offense. But how many parents, I wonder, I would use William and Lee as, a, as an example of this, but they don't keep normal people hours. They, you know, they sleep all hours of the day, okay? But let's say they did, all right? And they, and they say they, they wake up one morning, the alarm clock goes off, and Miss Leah says, well, William, we better get up and go to work. We don't want to get arrested. And he says, yeah, you better get up and get breakfast for the kids, get their clothes ready. The cops might show up and put us both in jail. She said, yeah, you're right. Boy, it's good we have that law here in America. We've got to take care of our kids, or we'd stay in bed all day long. That ain't why they do all that. They don't get up and make breakfast for the kids, and they don't go to work because the law says they have to. They do that because they love their kids and because they have expensive white elephant, drunk elephant taste or whatever that stuff is, all right, that we pick on McKenzie about that, some kind of moisturizer or whatever. It's supposed to make hair grow on the top of your head, though, so you might want to get some of it, William, all right? Why are they, they love their kids. He is not, when he goes to work, he is not driven by the law of North Carolina about child neglect. He's driven by love. Well, i got to do this what the Bible says to you. Oh, you've got that. You're going to have a miserable Christian life if you live by law, 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 law. But if you live by love, love for the Lord, and love for your neighbor, your brother and sister in Christ, you're going to have a whole lot better life. Are y'all picking up what I'm trying to lay down tonight? It is an old commandment. So when John's writing to these believers, he said, Look, this ain't nothing new. This is very, very simple. Aren't we good at making the simple things of the Bible so difficult? Because we have all these, but what about this? And what about that? And I know that God said, but God's got to have a special clause for me because I am me. There's an old commandment. Secondly tonight, verse number 8, there's an obvious commandment. There's an old commandment in verse number 7, but there's an obvious commandment in verse 8. Now, it looks like John's contradicting himself. Y'all still with me or not? Look at verse 8. Verse 7, he said, I write no new commandment unto you. Look at verse 8. Again, a new commandment I write unto you. Hang on, John. Make up your mind. Are you giving us a new one or not? New commandment I write unto you, which thing, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. So is John contradicting himself? Well, of course not. We know there's not any contradictions in the Bible. John is not stating that the, the commandment is new as far as it being the first time it's ever been declared, but rather it is, it, is now, it is new because they have now seen love in a new way. I'll give you an example of this. The new way, they, the new love they had seen goes back to 1 John 1, 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, our hands had handled of the words 
of life. Here's what John said. We've had this old commandment for years, but now we're seeing it in a new way in the person of Jesus Christ. We're talking about loving people that sometimes, let's be honest, ain't always lovable. I'm not always lovable. I know that's a surprise. I mean, you know, Grace, she is blessed. I mean, she wakes up every morning saying, I am blessed. Every day I live, I am blessed. I mean, all she got to do is roll over and see me, and she just starts singing. I'm like, honey, I'm trying to sleep, please. <laughs> How many of y'all believe I just told a lie? <laughs> okay, all right. God bless you. I see those hands, all right? <laughs> uh, but I'm not always lovable, and you ain't either. Sometimes you are ornery, hard to get along with. Uh, amen. Boy, we are, we are having revival or a riot tonight, and they both sound like fun. Okay. Here's my point tonight. So John's writing to these people. He's writing to us, and we've got that verse 7. It's an old command. We've got to love. We're all thinking, yeah, but you don't know this person. John, if you knew this person I had to deal with, you would not have wrote about that loving one another. So you know what he does? He takes us to Jesus. Watch, it was an illustrated, this love was illustrated. Verse 8, again, a new commandment arriving to you, which thing is true in him. Who's that in him? It's Jesus. God incarnate in the flesh, the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ showed us what love really was. The Bible said in 1 John 3, 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. He that lo- 1 John 4, 8, He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him, here in His love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation of our sins. Romans 5, 8, But God committed His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now let's see who Jesus loved. He loved liars, thieves, murderers, drunkards, harlots, Pharisees, Sadducees, publicans. In fact, one of the accusations they made against Him was this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. He loves sinners. This text ain't asking us to love sinners. He's asking us to love the brethren. Yes, we are to love sinners. That's not, I'm not preaching against that tonight. But this context tonight, he ain't talking about loving that drunkard. He's talking about loving that deacon. He ain't talking about, he ain't talking about loving that harlot. He's talking about loving her. He ain't talking about loving a Pharisee. He's talking about loving Phil. Are you with me tonight? He's talking about loving one another. How are you going to love a drunk when you can't love that one that has the Spirit of God on the inside of them as well? You ain't, you ain't going to love that person that don't know God if you don't love the person that loves God. He's getting first things first. Love was illustrated. He showed His love. It was true in Him. Love was illustrated, but then love was imparted. Watch what verse number 8 says again. He said, again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. You know what love did? You know what Jesus loved did for you? It got you out of the darkness and it put you in the light. Ain't that amazing what love did? 
This is a fictional illustration. This is not a true story. I'm, I, I'm, I have a pet peeve about guys telling stories that are not true as though they are true. But this is a, a good fictional illustration. About there was a young boy, orphan boy, who was selling newspapers in the cold and freezing winter. And toward the close of the evening, he went to a policeman and said, Sir, it is so cold out here and I'm so hungry. He said, Do you know of a place that will take me in for the night? And the policeman said, Yes, sir, I do. He said, If you'll go to that big white two-story house, at the end of the street and go knock on the door. you got to have a password, though. When they open up that door, you look at that man or woman that opens the door and say, John 3, 16. He said, okay. He went and knocked on that door. The story goes and somebody opened the door. An elderly lady opened the door and he stood there freezing, dirty clothes, dirty face, just a young orphan boy. And she looked and said, Sir, son, can I help you? He said, yes, ma'am. John 3, 16. She said, you come right on in. That boy thought in his mind, I don't know what John 3.16 is, but it sure got me in this house. And she said, son, are you hungry? He said, boy, I sure am. I haven't had a good meal in three or four days. She said, well, you come right here to the table. And she laid out a spread before him, and that boy began to eat. And he thought in his mind, I don't know what John 3.16 is, uh, but it sure has fed my hungry, my hungry belly tonight. And she said, son, have you had a bath lately? He said, no, ma'am, I'm so ashamed. I haven't had a bath. And she said, well, you go right there, and you take you a bath. There'll be some nice clean clothes. And as he got out of that bath and put the clean clothes on, he said, I don't know what John 3.16 is, but it sure can make a little boy clean. And then he found a bed. And she tucked him in and he slept all night and woke up the next morning. And he asked that lady, he said, what does John 3.16 mean? That officer told me how to open up that when you open the door to say John 3.16. Can you tell me what that means? She said, I sure can, but what do you know about it? He said, here's what I know about John 3.16. It got me in this house. It got my hungry body fed. It cleaned me up. It gave me rest. Is that not what John 3.16 done for me and you? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm glad I got in on that. Did you get in on that? All right, if you did, Romans 5.5 says He shed the love of God abroad in your heart. If you got in on that love of God, then it's in your heart. It's in your heart. The love that Jesus Christ showed others and showed us is the same love that we should show others. Now, let me deal with a couple things. I'm about done. When we say love, we think that love automatically means if you love somebody, you've got to like everything they're doing. Love is not approval. Example. Jesus loves you, don't he? Does he approve of everything you do? Does that affect his love for you? Absolutely not. Love is not approval. You can love somebody and not approve of what they're doing. Say somebody did you wrong. You can love them, but obviously not approve of what they did to you. Love is not acceptance. Love is not accepting what they do. Okay? Jesus loved the publicans and sinners, the harlots. Those who live wicked life, he loved them. You know what he said about that rich young ruler? Jesus looked at him, beholding him, loved him. And that boy was just focused on possessions and money and greed. Jesus didn't love that lifestyle that boy was living, but he loved him. So when you love somebody, it doesn't mean that you approve of what they're doing. It means you love them. You don't love... We, it's this old saying, we love the sinner and hate the sin. All right, well, why don't you love your brother... And hate his sin and your sin while you're at it. 
Ain't amazing how we have different levels of love for sinners? Well, that's different because they're lost and a little better. I understand there, are, there is accepting the truth, and there are people that are just plumb goofy. I got preachers that I know that I have a hard time with because they're compromising truths of the Word of God. I don't agree with that. I don't accept that. I don't approve of that. But I'm supposed to love them. Amen. I got people in this town that hate my guts. And, and because, of, because of truth and sayings, and this ain't a brag on the preacher fest, but you know what? I'm supposed to love them. Do I approve of what they're doing? <laughs> Absolutely not. Do I accept what they're doing? Absolutely not. But my Bible did not tell me to approve of what they do. It did not tell me to accept what they do. It told me to love them. So we've got love messed up in our minds. We think love means you've got to agree. My goodness, my wife don't agree with half of what I do. Thank you, William. I know you knew so much about our marriage. Amen. Maybe I've got a kindred spirit here. Maybe that's what it is. All right. We got, a, we got a messed up view of what love is. Now, let me, I, I have to say this, and I, I'm hushing. It's 6.23. I got 20, I'm at 28 minutes. I'm about done. I have to say this in the day and age we're living in. Because might be somebody listening online or might somebody, somebody, might somebody in, the, in the audience experiences. I don't know. If somebody's abused you, took advantage of you, you, you need to remove yourself from that situation. That's not what I'm preaching about tonight. If a man's beating a woman up, she ought to do two things. Kill him and then leave. Okay? Um, no, probably can't. Probably couldn't do that. But she needs to get out of that house. Get those kids out of the way. If somebody's being abused. That's not what we're talking about tonight. But we're not talking. We're talking about in the church, in the body, that offenses are going to come. Somebody is going to rub you the wrong way. And here's what's amazing about that. Boy, this series. I try to preach it in 30 minutes, and I I end up 35 minutes every time. Let me just let me just preach it out tonight. All right. I believe it's to help our church on down the road. Ain't it amazing? The people that always get offended or hurt by somebody have never considered the fact that they might have done it to somebody else. If you've been hurt before, then mark it down, you've hurt somebody else. Well, I haven't. Yeah, you don't have issues of pride either then. And lying's not a problem either. I've hurt people before. I have said, I probably hurt some of y'all. I have said things in the pulpit before that were right, but I've said it in the wrong spirit. And it wasn't right. And I hurt people. I know some people want pastors wouldn't say that, but I won't be honest with you. If you're not honest, you're what? You're dishonest. You're lying. And so I'm, I accept the fact anytime somebody hurts me, that's not right. That's wrong. That's wicked what they did. But it's just as wrong and wicked for me to hold a grudge and have bitterness and unforgiveness against sin. That don't mean I've got to be their best friend. But that doesn't also mean that I've got to be bitter and angry and malice and hope that a fire pot falls on their head when they walk out the door. Even though some of them might need it. Some people, some people just need a good old whooping. I'm talking about adults. I'm talking about, I'm, I'm talking about somebody saying, all oh, these kids, they need to I'll tell you, I know some adults that need some. Amen. I mean, you know, I mean, everybody but me, you know, obviously. Um, some of y'all need to smile. It's amazing. You focus on you being offended and hurt, but you've never realized that you might have hurt or offended somebody. And here's the last thing. There's an old commandment, an obvious commandment, and then there is an obeyed commandment. Let me run through these last three verses quickly. There's a confronting rebuke, verse 9. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. John, don't make no bones about it. 
He said, if you say you're in the light, but you have, you hate, have hatred, animosity towards your brother, here's what he said. Bring this verse down in one sentence, and I'm almost done. He said, if you ain't right this way, then you ain't right this way. Hello? If you've got evil and malice this way, then you're not going to be right this way. A confronting rebuke, a conveyed reality, verse 10. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. This verse is teaching us that if you'll walk in the light, you're not going to be a stumbling block to somebody else. But the connotation, the opposite view of that is if you're walking in darkness with hatred, you're going to be a stumbling block. You're going to be a problem. And then here's the last thing. A conviction relayed. He's convicting them. Verse 11. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whether he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Here's what John's saying. You're going to justify yourself. I'm justified for my bitterness. I'm justified for disliking them. I'm justified for not loving them. You know what John said you're doing? You're walking around in the dark and you don't even know it. This walk in darkness is not the first time John's used this in our, te- in our, in our epistle. 1 John 1, 6. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. He said, you can say that you have fellowship with God, but if you're walking in darkness, how do you walk in darkness? By hating your brother? He said, if you're doing that, then you're a liar. Ain't that tight? I mean, it's real tight. I'll be honest with you. I don't like that. I don't like how that sounds. But we got to remember, love's not approval. And love's not acceptance. I'm not talking about compromise. Y'all know me better than that. I wanted to take a text and rip something up this morning, but thankfully I'm in a series. But these guys are compromising and changing churches. I wish people would just be honest when they leave a church and say, you know what, I don't like all the hard preaching. I don't like the dress standard. I don't like that you're going to preach against me running around half naked. So I'm going to go to another church and find a place where, the, where I can go and fit in and the preacher won't say one word about it. That bothers me. I wish they'd just be honest and say that. Of course they won't say that. They'll say, the Lord is leading us. I highly doubt that. But don't get me started on that. But I'm supposed to love those people. Why? Well, they're not very lovable. And you are? And Jesus loves you. We ought to take a good long look in the mirror. Give you some practical things and I'm done. What should you do if you're not right with a Christian brother or sister? Listen to me carefully. I'm done. If you're not right with another brother or sister in Christ, y'all listen to me. Are you tuned into the preacher tonight? Listen to me. If you're not right, if it is a known problem, what I mean by that, say me and brother, say that I've got it all against Brother Caden. He knows it. Then I need to go to him. And say, so, you know what, we got this problem. We need to, we need to get... Hey, you know, how, you know how to get right with somebody is go grab them by the hand and get in the altar with them and humble yourself with them. And pray. Now, let's say I had an alt against Brother Caden and he didn't know it. Say so he done something that bothered me and he didn't know he'd done it and it really bothered me. I don't, I don't, you know what I need to do? I need to get right with God myself. I don't need to go and say, okay, now I've been mad at you for six months. You didn't know it. I thought you was a dirty, rotten scoundrel. But I forgive you. Kay's like, what in the world just happened? <laughs> no. If it's, if it's not known to them, if it's just something in your heart, you need to get it right with God in your own heart. If you are the offended, somebody's hurt you, well, you can't make somebody come up and ask you, tell, say you're sorry, say they're sorry and ask for your forgiveness. You can't make somebody do that. 
So what do you do? You just make sure your heart's right with God. And you don't have bitterness and unforgiveness. And if you're the offender and it's known, you need to go make it right. Proverbs 6 says, Do this now, my son. Deliver thyself when thou art coming to the hand of thy friend. Go humble thyself and make sure of thy friend. Psalm 133, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. We all want the touch of God on our church, right? We want people to be saved in this church. We want, we want God to move in this church. We want God to bless. Well, from the pulpit to the pew, you know what we need to do tonight? God is commanding us to love one another. But it shouldn't be because He commanded us. It should be because we're saved. He lives, and the Spirit of God lives in the inside of me. Come on, Brother Matthew. Um, I had the privilege to go to different churches and preach. And I don't know the people. Many times. I go to church and I don't know them. But I can be there for four or five minutes. And they come in and start greeting them and shaking hands. And something on the inside. I don't know. I, I can't explain it. But it puts some people in my heart. That I ministered to that week. Not a pastor's heart. When I go to church, I ask God to put that church in my heart that week. So I can... Try to minister. I just don't want to go in with seven sermons, seven suits, blow in, blow up, and blow out like some guys do. I want to go in and have a word for that church from God. So I ask God, Lord, put these people in my heart this week. Let me love these people. I've got to be careful because I'm online. I wouldn't join every church that I preach at. They don't do things like I wish they'd do. But that ain't, what, that ain't why I'm there. I'm going to love them and try to help them. That ain't my church. But here, the ball game's different. Amen. The love of Christ is in my heart. The Spirit of God lives on the inside of me, and I'm full with the Spirit. If I'm filled with the Spirit, the first thing that's going to be, if you squeeze me, the first thing ought to come out is love if I'm full with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. Let's stand together. I appreciate your attention.